Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. When it's 13-0 and the Saints score a touchdown to get it a little closer, I think everybody in the building thought, oh, is this is something coming? And to answer that immediately with a score of your own, with LaVisca making the big play, I mm-hmm. think that just made such a difference for these guys. That's right. It's that time of the week. It's the Happy Half Hour podcast with your friends, Augusta, Darren, and Kristen. Augusta, Darren, happy Victory Thursday. I mean, we know Victory Monday is a thing, but I just think we take it all week long, right? Just carry on the victory. Yes. Constant victory. Victory Saturday, Victory Friday. Why not? <laughs> I love so that. much winning. <laughs> winning every day. You're always winning when you're in this building with these people. Aw. Aw. <laughs> Let's put that on a t-shirt. I love it. I love it. But it is a a different field than the last two weeks in which we've done this podcast after losses. It's undeniable. Yeah, there's no question. When you walk through these buildings, you can tell the temperature of the place is different. I mean, and... You well, know. it's cooler for one. Okay, we got to yeah. stop. I'm building on Augusta now. Just We're getting all getting our jokes in. Try the veal. Um... But, yeah, you can tell a difference in the room. I mean, I think at 0-2, everybody, you know, they were trying to push against the 7 from last year and whether that carried over and do you call it a streak or whatever. But at 0-2, it was kind of hard to deny that everybody was starting to get a little worried about the direction things were going. And, you know, when they were 0-2 and and talking about things are close – it didn't sound normal, but when you win a game and then you see, okay, the things they weren't doing, all of a sudden they're doing better at and you see a tangible result, it does. It makes a difference in the building and these human beings that do this stuff, um, kind of they try to stay as normal as they can, but it's expected to kind of go up and down with results. Well, and also to see that the the work you've been doing is paying off, right? That uh, That is a big thing, whether or not you want to say, oh, it, it it's the same no matter what, but I think especially like for this defense, they created three turnovers. The game was won, right? They had not had any turnovers in those first two games as much as of, of a step that they took from week one to week two. You you got to think that just for the simple fact that, hey, our hard work is paying off the things that we have been trying to do and execute on, we did, and then we see the result has got to feel great. Well, then the other, you know, piece of simple fact is that they're 1-0 in the NFC South. Mm-hmm. And that's like a good, you know, breath of fresh air kind of, I mean, everything's still in front of us sort of mentality that I think I've heard. I've heard it buzz in the locker room. I've heard that. And I think that's that's extremely valid. And, you know, that's that's a reason sure. to be. And important. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, awesome. and the Bucks have the Chiefs this weekend, so two and two for the Bucks is reasonable. I mean, you never know what's going to happen in these games, but I I do think that having something within reach that you can kind of see makes a big difference for these guys in terms of the attitude they walk through the building with. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's play a little game. Um, we're gonna we've done it before. What do we know about this team? What don't we know? about this team as we, um, you know, we're into, um, it's almost uh, time for week four against the Cardinals. So let's talk about what we've learned and some things that we are still um, trying to figure out. So Augusta, I'll start with you. What do we know about the Panthers right now? sort of already mentioned it a little bit, but I will say they can create turnovers. Mm -hmm. And I think under the pressure and duress, I mean, after the postgame locker room, you know, one of the big questions was, did you feel the pressure coming into the week? Every single question was, oh my gosh, you're the only team that hasn't gotten a takeaway yet. What's going on? And the defense was like, I mean, yeah, I know we're solid, but we still haven't gotten a takeaway. We still haven't gotten a takeaway. And something so just divine and nice about the fact that it was Frankie Louvu that forced that first fumble mm-hmm. after he had dropped the interception, the potential pick six up in New York. I mean, it, it's storylines in front of your face, right? Um, but it, it's one of those things when you have an offense, you know, just kind of that's especially early on sort of struggles to get downfield, struggles to stay on the field. Um, to get your first touchdown on defense, on a takeaway, and then to have it, like they said all week, we heard, you know, they were like, takeaways are one of those things that when they happen, they keep happening. You know, they happen in jolts and they happen mm-hmm. in bolts. And we saw three. We saw the game taken or uh, sealed away by J.C. Horn with one. And so I just feel like we, we learned that and also, like, they showed us, you know, it, it's not frustration in the weeks before, I wouldn't say, but, you know, I mean – oh, the defense is good, the defense is the strength of the team, and they'll say that, but then you're like, well, where are the takeaways, where's the numbers? And so they were able to kind of get there with that. And, um, you know, I think I think that's that's a good thing to build off of. Like they said, it'll happen in, 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 in uh, you know, bunches. Bunches, yeah. So cool. Yeah, and I, you know, it's funny you said that about Frankie Louvu and, and after the, the one that um, he did not make against the Giants, but each – Turnover had its own little story as I was down there on the sideline. Augusta, you put it perfectly with the the Luvu uh, getting that ball out. Marquis scoop and score, like just, I mean, just bolting down there to the end zone, showing off that speed. And then you see Derek Brown with the one-handed interception. And the play before that, he had a legitimate chance to make an interception. We're like, oh, my gosh, he's this close. And then he goes out and does it. I mean, he, I mean looks, some DBs would like to have made the interception that Derek made with that one-hander, and then J.C. Horn with that third one right as the game was ending. I saw him, and there's a great photo of this, too. Chanel and Kenny, our photographers, got it. But he was on Chris Olave toward the end of the game, and he almost he almost picked him off, and he went up to him, and he put his uh, fingers up together, you know, like this <laughs> close. And then a couple of plays later, he gets his interception. So um, it, it was just a fun one, yeah. wasn't it, guys? Yeah, they really and – and they needed it. They needed to not just win, but they needed to be able to close. And because mm-hmm. I think anybody who's been watching this team for the last little bit, when it's 13 nothing and the Saints score a touchdown, to get it a little closer and everybody – I think everybody in the building thought, oh, is this – is something coming? And to answer that immediately with a score of your own, I think – you know, with LaVisca making the big play, I mm-hmm. think that just made such a difference for these guys, and it created a little breathing room, but then you still had to close. And so getting the late J.C. pick, was that was, that was the thing they absolutely needed to have happen. Yes. 
All right, Darren, that was what we do know. What don't we know right now? We don't know how this team is going to offense this year. Uh, They are still trying to figure it out themselves. You know, oddly enough, for a team that can't convert third downs, pretty good at running the ball. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's got back-to-back 100-yard rushing games for the first time since 2019. Now, Christian popped up on the injury report on Wednesday. We don't know what his status is going to be for the rest of the week, uh, what's going on there. Yeah, and um, as we should just say, this is Thursday morning. Yes. When, as we are recording this, we will have two practices yeah. uh, between now and the game. So, uh, But we just can't we and, just can't tell the future right and, now. And we don't know what's going to happen, mm-hmm. but you, our loyal listeners, can read Panthers.com for go. all the latest injury reports and updates from the practice field. Um but, yeah, I mean, Christian has played well. I think the running game is set up, and it's kind of built on the fact that all those offensive line investments we talked about all offseason are starting to pay off. I think the way Icky is playing, uh, he gets a lot of attention for sacks he gives up. But when you open up your career against Miles Garrett and Marcus Davenport and you know some of the players he's seen, you're going to give up some sacks. But Icky has kind of stabilized a little bit, and there's a little bit fewer of that, oh, my God, play mm-hmm. each week. And that's the big question mark. When the first pick in, you know, your first pick in the first round is your question mark going into the year, you feel pretty good about things because he's very, very talented. You can see him make a difference in the run game. But it's how stable they've been in the middle. It's Brady Christensen, it's Pat Elfline, it's Austin Corbett. That's been a huge difference for them, and they need to be able to do that because they're not very good at passing right now. Mm -hmm. And Baker is struggling a little bit, but everybody's been careful to say it's not all Baker. It's receivers uh, running routes at the correct depth. It's design. It's play calling. And and when you – part of this is one of those things that the more reps you get at something, the better at it you're going to get. And of course, everybody's going to point to Baker didn't show up until just before training camp, but also not having third downs when you're not out there on the play, they're averaging like 55 snaps a game of offense. Mm -hmm. And that's not enough snaps a game of offense. So until they can, or until they can convert some third downs, stay out there a little bit, it's going to be reasonable to expect all these new pieces that are fitting together to take some time to get to know each other. I mean, we've seen signs from Baker in training camp in the preseason that he can make some plays, but right now everything is just a little bit off. I know that – okay, I'm going to ask you a question that you probably can't answer, but for some context. Those are my favorite Yes, kind. yes, aren't they? Um, but, but for some context here, as you talk about just things – getting sorted out than playing together a little bit more. And and I know that you said that we've talked a lot about the fact that uh, Baker was not here until a, f- a couple of weeks before training camp. Uh, so my question is, at what point do you want to see that consistency if you are Scott Fitterer, uh, Matt Rule? I feel like usually what you kind of know what a team is by week four, week five, but right. with this offense having not gotten a chance to play together for, um, for as long as other offenses – offenses have when would you say okay we'll we'll know more about what this offense is yeah the correct answer and this is easy to answer when they want to see it is yesterday when they want to see it is a week ago of course um they're still working and and I asked Baker after the game I said what is a reasonable time frame for when we can expect this to look like fill in the blank whatever it's going to be and Baker kind of said after the game, he's like, you know, there really is no acclimation period. We've got to do it right now. That's the that's the time constraint. But I think it's fair that 
And the longer I've done this, the more I think about it. The things we see in September very seldom hold up to the scrutiny of a 16-17 game mm-hmm. season. When we look back on it in December and you individualize those first three games, I mean, certainly last year, the first three games of the year were not indicative of the way the 2021 season was going to yep. go. Uh, so I, I think it's fair to say it's going to take a little bit of time. I think by the time we've seen five, six weeks of this thing, you know, certainly you don't want to just give away three weeks or anything like that. But I think it's fair that it's going to take a minute for Baker to settle in. It's going to take a minute for him to learn what this protection's like. It's going to take a minute for DJ and Robbie and the tight ends and, and the backs and everybody to kind of get on the same page. So I, I think if we're still asking these questions in week eight or week nine, mm-hmm. then that's a problem. Uh, but I think in week three it's or week four, it's probably too soon to start pushing panic buttons and saying, oh, my God, they're never going to figure this out. All right. Well, I, Darren, our intrepid reporter, has gone and tracked down our very own yeah. Panthers stats guy. What does Will have for us this week? 60% of the time, it works every time. Stat of the week. Okay, as promised, here's our very own from his undisclosed location here in Bank of America Stadium. It's Panther Stat Guy with his Dad of the Week. Well, we already know Frankie Louvu does everything, right, Darren? Everything. Everything. I have numbers. Over the last two seasons, which is last season in three games of this season, he has 55 tackles, 12 tackles for loss, three fumble recoveries, the forced fumble heard around the world last week, all in 430 snaps. Now, as Darren wrote on the website, those snap numbers are going up, but... That is a 0.14 EPA per snap. That stands for expected points added. It's one of those newfangled fancy money ball stats, which I really like. I don't know what an EPA is, but I'm assuming more of them is better. It's, it's, it's pretty good. It just means that he does a lot of things in very few snaps. His EPA per snap is 11th among all defenders and third among linebackers over the last two years. Frankie Louvu, the Panthers stat guy of football players. Yeah, we talked about him a yep. lot, Frankie Louvu. My goodness, man. What a player. Yeah, and uh, if you want to read more about Frankie Louvu, there's a story this morning on Panthers.com. Ooh, where Derek, two teases over to the website already. I like it. Derek Brown t- calls it oose behavior. When Frankie Louvu does a thing, he said it's oose behavior. Oose is, is short for the Samoan uso, which means brother, and that's what they call him in the locker room. So Derek and the guys down there just have started calling it oose behavior when Frankie Louvu does Frankie Louvu things. So, he, I mean, he is. He's a tangible shot of energy for those guys, and he he's always been an energy guy. The difference is now he's putting plays with it, mm-hmm. and that's what they need more than the jumping around, the yelling. I have to say there's nothing um... – more fitting. I, I was doing an interview with Frankie, um, and we were talking to the crowd, right? It was on the big board in the stadium because after the preseason, and he said, you know, I just, my job is to bring the energy, and he pointed to the side of his neck, and Augusta, I don't know if you've seen this, but he has the full battery tattoo right there, and I just thought, oh my god, oh, that's a, a perfect encapsulation of who you are as a player and as a person, someone that is always bringing the energy, and you just, uh, you feed off of it. Super cool, super cool. No, I totally have noticed the the battery charge, and I cannot remember who it was. Someone in the locker room this past week was talking about, you know, 
oh, how is he such a high energy guy? And they were like, have you seen on this? I was, I don't know if it was Brian Burns or JC Horn, someone in that same corner. I'm like visualizing the locker room and they're all in the back there. Mm-hmm. But someone back there was like, have you not seen the tattoo of the battery? Like, that's just, that's, that's the guy. That's the juice you're going to get from, from Oos. And he's probably one of those people too. You ever notice the most high energy people like don't drink coffee or do whatever, you know, and they just like wake up like that. And you're like, yeah. oh my gosh, Evan Cooper, cornerbacks coach is yeah. just like that too. You know, and you're like, I just would take a little bit, like, if I had a, a battery tattoo on my neck, it would be, like, 25%, maybe. <laughs> I think you've you know. got a reason for that right now, Kristen. <laughs> I think that's fair. Um, but, yeah, and, and the other funny thing to me about Frankie is when you talk to Frankie, Frankie's kind of soft-spoken. Yeah. Frankie sort of eases into it. And when you're talking to him, you don't pick up the fact that he's hair on fire, constant intensity, and all that kind of stuff because the voice – when you're talking to him, doesn't match the product you see out there on the field. That's true. It's right under the surface, though, at any given time, which is so fun. All right, let's talk about uh, week four, Cardinals coming to town. And there's a a lot going on in this game, uh, around the game, in the game. Um, So let's talk about it. Let's go through something that each of you are looking for in this game. Darren, let's start with you. I, I think first and foremost, I mean, they, they've done a decent job in the past on Kyler Murray and the Cardinals in general, but Kyler Murray's a problem, and, and Matt talked about it yesterday. I mean, going back to the game he played against him at Baylor when Kyler was at Oklahoma and put six touchdown passes and, a, and another rushing touchdown on the board against him. He just does so many things, and he's a, he's a hard problem to solve because he is little – he does run around. He's hard to lay eyes on. He's hard to find, and he's hard to catch out in the open field. But Kyler's just that kind of um, guy you almost have to umbrella out your defense and keep everything in front of you. I think back to the old days with Michael Vick. Um, I was just – Thomas Davis yeah. and I were just talking about this. It's right. on the on the huddle, and uh, TD was like, hey, I think you need a spy situation right. like I used to do with Michael Vick. And, and Thomas was drafted to be the Michael Vick stopper back mm-hmm. in the day, and it worked out pretty well once he got here. So uh, I, I think they do – it's a different challenge when your last week was all about attack and chase and blitz and put pressure on – and if you put too much pressure on and it's not disciplined pressure, that guy can get out on the edges and mm-hmm. make things happen. So you've got to be – I don't want to say passive. You never want to be passive on defense. No coach has ever said. We want to yeah. be passive on defense. Game plan this week um, is to be passive on defense. Yeah, but you do have to make sure your eyes are right and you, you're you in the place you're supposed to be. So Because he can burn you He can easily. do it in a hurry, and he, he can heat up fast. I mean, we saw in the overtime of that Raiders game and, and getting them to that point. I mean, it, it, the Cardinals have been slow starting on offense themselves at points this year, but they've been able to heat up in a hurry a couple times. So you gotta you got to keep an eye on that. Augusta, what's one thing that you're looking for? Okay, I'm going to give a shout-out to the special teams units because they're so fun to watch, and mm-hmm. I think in the last game we kind of sh- saw saw like all of it kind of come together. First of all, the blocked field goal from Henry Anderson. Mm-hmm. who It was so fun to talk to him about that after the game because um, you know I asked him, I was like, you know, what's that like? And he goes, you go for it every single play, so when it actually happens, it yeah. feels almost surreal. Yeah. It's like, wait, I actually – he's like, at first it didn't even process that I blocked it. It was like, like you know, and no one was I coming. made contact? Well, yeah. exactly, and yeah. he was like, no one was coming toward me because no one knew I did it, and so so he was like, it didn't feel real. It was like all this happened, but like no one was celebrating. Yeah. Everyone was like, what's going on? You're like, did that actually happen? Can I tell you? I can tell you who was celebrating. We talked about this on the radio broadcast. It was my favorite report of the day. And I talked to Matt Rule about it as well. 
Chris Tabor, let me tell you what, his headset fell off because he was so excited. And he's one of those people, too, that's very soft-spoken when you talk to him in the office and and then has a different intensity when he's on the field, especially in a game. And then he went over to rule, and they had the most aggressive high-five I've ever seen. Um, I'm sure it was on the TV broadcast. It was amazing, you know, and yeah. it's just the sideline. It was it was just such a great moment. It was akin to that that Marquise Haynes touchdown with, yep. with the momentum that it created um, for this entire team. I actually saw it was right in front of where I'm positioned in the press box. That was where Tabor was. So I saw him and I wish I had like a video right now because the way he was just jolting his hand back yeah. and forth. Oh, my gosh. It was so fun. I totally saw that, too. Um, but then you have Johnny Hecker, who is just very yeah, clutch punter, gosh. I think. And I, I want to write a story about this at some point, too. But just like knowing that. You have a punter that's going to be able to pin the opposing offense as well as he can. I mean, as a defense, that's going to be great. And then Eddie Pinero hasn't missed a field goal yet. Not trying to jinx him. Knock on wood. Seven of seven. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I think we all kind of tightened up a little bit when Zane Gonzalez got hurt. And Eddie Pinero has totally stepped up. He had some tough kicks in the last game, too. Like 40, 45, 42. I mean, it wasn't wasn't great. So, I think... think, um, The wind was blowing, too. Yeah, you go, oh, can he do... We we had not seen him go um, longer than in the 30s. So, you're you're absolutely right, Augusta. I think think that is just, you know, you don't talk about them until they mess up. It feels like sometimes when they're good, they're good, and then they're kind of in the background. It's one of those things, you know, you only notice it whenever it's bad, when you miss a kick or, you know... Yeah. But um, I think I think it's one of those things. I think I, I, I always appreciate watching it. And I, I love a good special teams. You know, I came from covering South Carolina where, you know, Beamer ball. Ha ha ha. So I'm used to it. I, I love <laughs> I it. But sense. you know what I mean? I, I love it. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> it, it, and you mentioned wind. I, I feel like, Kristen, you've probably kept an eye on the forecast this week. haven't I, you? I tell you what, I have been <laughs> checking the forecast. That is the thing that I'm looking for. And I would just like to say, of course, the disclaimer is. If we get rained on, if uh, if there is a delay, that is nothing compared to what is going on in Florida with, you know, where where Hurricane Ian is. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. However, I have been checking the forecast, which which look, the coaching staff is as well. That is that is something that is going to affect this game if it is a, a deluge, mm-hmm. you know. And so, um, you know, I've got my trash bags ready. That's what I keep in my book bag. I put the trash bag over my book bag so that. I have a place for my equipment. Um, Darren, don't look at me like that. You know, you can't see it. I'll tell you what, it's worked before. How else do you put your equipment away? I mean, I guess you get a fancy case, but I just go good old trash bag right there down on the sidelines. There are a few (laughs) things I love better in the world than being prepared and improvising on the spot. So you nailed it, Kristen. Yeah, well, thank you very much. But it will be a factor in this game for both of these teams if the weather comes into play right and mm-hmm. i mean and look at the cardinals the weather doesn't come into play at least when when they're at home so we'll see what happens yeah it's going to be interesting uh, and again watching this thing i mean you hope and again as you said well Kristen, obviously the thing we hope not is that our football game is impacted but that everybody's going to be okay and that yes you know we're able to push through and get the people the help they need when they need it and you think about all the people in Florida. Stanley Thomas Oliver's got family mm-hmm. in Punta Gorda who were there and had to ride it out yesterday. And as soon as he comes off the practice field, he's calling to say, okay, and how you, is everybody? You wrote a very, very yeah. beautiful article about the players that have family down there or Florida ties. And I, I read it yesterday, and it, it puts it all into perspective, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Stan, you know, he's worried about being a gunner on special teams and getting down and you know, doing his Stanley things on the field while also wondering how the folks are back mm-hmm. home. So, 
these are human beings also, and you hope all the human beings are okay because that's the most important part. Absolutely. Um, and the last thing that, of course, we are all looking forward to and, and watching out for in this game has nothing to do with the actual game, but also has everything to do with the actual game and the franchise. And, of course, there's nobody better to talk about it than Darren Gant. Keep pounding weekend. Yes. I love it. It's going to be great. It, there are a lot of things going on this weekend uh, throughout the whole weekend to kind of celebrate the legacy of Sam Mills. And and you're right. I can – what's that? Push the Darren button on his shoulder and make him talk about Sam Mills for 15 minutes? Yeah, I can do that. Um, you can't say enough about the legacy the man left on this organization, on everybody who's ever walked through this building uh, in 27 years, and it's just going to be neat to celebrate that. The folks from the Hall of Fame are coming. They're bringing his bust, uh, which we saw when we were up in Canton in August, and there are going to be a lot of folks here. Family's going to be here. A lot of former teammates, a lot of friends are, are coming into town for this celebration. It's going to be a neat moment. I mean, you can see it, it's been interesting to me having known Sam, documented the story for so long, seeing new guys react to it, seeing the keep pounding shirts in the locker room this week. J.J. Jansen did a neat thing down at, at training camp, and J.J. didn't personally meet Sam because he didn't get here until after Sam was gone. But J.J. is kind of like the keeper of the flame of all things Panthers history in that locker room, and he can talk to people about what it was like and what I heard from and what carries on. So I think it's going to be a neat uh, weekend at a lot of levels. Uh, again, you hope all the conditions are perfect and everybody gets to enjoy it. But there's a lot of cool stuff going on this weekend to honor the guy who Steve Smith flat out says is the greatest Panther of all time. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Darren, you were in Canton, as you were just saying. Um, we were down at training camp and you're talking about the way in which it has affected the current players on this team. I, I don't know if we've ever told this story, and it just this, it always has stuck out to me. When they were doing the inductions and it was being uh, broadcast, we were all down there. Augusta, I don't know if you were in there, but in this little, you know, where the cafeteria is and there's TVs um, and kind of like a lounge area. And everyone, all the players who were walking through, stopped, sat down, and watched the induction together. Mm-hmm. And... You know, if, if J.J. is the, the longest-tenured Panther and he didn't meet Sam Mills, these these guys that are currently on the right. team, of course, um, have even less of a personal connection or probably don't know, you know, uh, the family or anything sure. personally. And uh, they all sat down and watched and, you know, glued to the TV and really taking it in. And I just thought it was incredibly beautiful. And I will get to see uh, more of those great moments from – from yeah. everyone in the Panthers community this weekend. Yeah, I've used this line a lot. I feel like I've probably used it too much. But, you know, 27-year-old NFL rookies who are teaching shop at a New Jersey high school aren't supposed to get to the Hall of Fame. Nothing about this story is normal. Sam Mills was undersized. He was overlooked. Uh, he got to three different places, Philadelphia, New Orleans, and Carolina, where nothing had ever been done or could be expected to be done and they all succeeded, and it was in large part because of him. Sam Mills isn't one of the best stories in the history of football. Sam Mills is one of the best stories in the history of stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, just none of this was supposed to happen, and yet it all did. And I think because of the way um, he faced the adversity late in life, 
uh, because the way he impacted people, because the way he treated people, that's why it resonates, and that's why at the beginnings of games, that's why at the start of fourth quarters, you still hear people in this building yell, keep pounding, because it means a lot to a lot of people at a lot of levels. Beautifully said. I think that's where we should leave it. Yeah, you have chills. chills. I have chills, too. Um, Darren, thank you for that. That was that was beautiful. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week on the Happy Half Hour Podcast. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Com slash compatibility.